Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. Appreciate your dedication. Well, happy Mother's Day. Anybody love their mama? Amen. You know, I, have you ever noticed how mothers have this crazy ability to just know things? I mean, we've all heard the phrase, mother knows best, right? And most of us can come up with a story about our moms knowing what was best for us even when we didn't. And I can recall many times when my own mom did this. As, as kids, we'd get caught up in a situation or circumstance of some kind, and, and mom's ability to just know things that we were doing that there's no way she could know but she knew uh, interesting I've seen my wife do this as well Alyssa with the girls time and time again and it's, it's almost freaky to see her take one look at her girls and just know exactly what's going on with them and not just what's going on but to even know what to do with what's going on and there's a difference moms just seem to know things and I, I think God wired them that way. And I'm so thankful for all you mothers. Would you just all stand and let us give you a hand today? If you're a mom. We love you. He gave moms eyes in the back of their heads. And this thing called women's intuition, which transfers to mother's intuition uh, when they become mothers, is, is a pretty important thing. And as cool as that is with moms, there are manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit that take this idea of knowing things, just knowing, to a whole new level. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for over three months. Last week, we got into the manifestation gifts that give us the supernatural power to speak. We went over the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy, which are all listed in Scripture, Um, oftentimes not not taught about, but we're going to teach about them here, and we we did last week. We talked about those three. And today I want to go over those gifts that give us the supernatural power to know, to just know. And it's interesting to think that we not only have the Holy Spirit deposited in us because of salvation, There's more Holy Spirit power available to us through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, through this immersion in the Holy Spirit. We're we're not only carrying the Holy Spirit around and are literally his temple, as the scripture says. We can be saturated with him as we stay in that constant state of being filled with the Spirit. And we've talked about these things over the course of the last 12 weeks that we've been in this series called The Third on the Holy Spirit. And it's it's interesting to me, too, that... that, uh, you know, 12 weeks might not seem like a long time. Some of you think that's an eternity to speak on the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's amazing when you dive into the subject how much stuff you have to cut out or you'd be here for two years or more. You'd never get to the bottom of it. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, 12 weeks, that's, that's 25% of the year. A quarter of the year we've spent on the Holy Spirit. I love that. Last week, uh, like I said, we got into the supernatural gifts to speak. This week, we're going to cover the supernatural gifts 
to know, the power to know. And um, I, I bring this up because we tend to think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit coming upon us, coming upon us when and only when God desires. That's kind of how we approach the gifts of the Spirit, even in Pentecostal circles. We somehow have fallen into this idea that they only happen in those extremely special moments, those rare times when there's such a necessity for one of these gifts to operate that he will just pick someone and bestow a gift for that moment. And of course, God the Holy Spirit will always pick someone, right, who, who is the most spiritual in the room. And, and that's how we justify not being used ourselves. Can I be honest with you this morning? Apparently not. <laughs> That's a little Old Testament to think that, well, God will use the most spiritual person in the room. I mean, the Holy Spirit can come on anyone he wants to. We know that wherever and whenever he wants, just like he did back then. We know that he is God and he is sovereign. But if we live like our Christian, if we live our Christian walk out as if the rules haven't changed from the Old Testament days regarding the Holy Spirit, I think we're missing something really big, really big. Since the Old Testament, Jesus paid for our sins on the cross, we know that, and when we accept this gift as the ransom payment for our own sins, we have the Holy Spirit, as I said, deposited within us. He becomes our great helper, counselor, teacher, the one who uh, guides us into all truth, our paraclete, or parakletos, as we talked about, the Greek word. And we see this played out the, the day uh, of Jesus' resurrection when he breathed on his disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. That changed everything from what it was like in the Old Testament. Then he said there was, there was more. He didn't stop with that. He said there was more because he told them to go wait for the promise of the Father, which we know to be the Holy Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost, which was to happen in another 49 days. 50 days from the time that, yeah. This also changed everything because now there would be no doubt that the church of Jesus Christ would have everything, and hear me, church, everything she needed to carry out the task that's been assigned to her. They had the Holy Spirit deposited in us to be our paraclete, our helper, our great helper, and then we had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the submersion in the Holy Spirit, to keep us in a constant state of being filled. And I, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I believe that he did that so we would know that we could do anything he's asked us to do. Has anyone looked around um, the, the world lately and, and thought, boy, this is a big job to share Christ with this world, to share Christ with this Christian nation? It's a big job. It seems almost impossible. Some Christians have just written it off completely that, yeah, that's not going to happen. But it's our calling. It's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. Be light in the darkness, right? To share Christ with a lost and dying world. To be salt and light. And that seems difficult, but he's given us all the tools we need. I don't believe we live in the days of the Old Testament time anymore. We are living on this side of the cross and on this side of Pentecost, and there are gifts available to us all the time, not just in rare special moments, but consistently or constantly available to us as we remain in that constant state of being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And in the end times, in the last days of his church, in the last period of time where grace is still being poured out and people can still be rescued from hell into heaven. You know what I'm talking about? In these last days, we need these gifts more than we've ever needed them before. And God is saying to his church, are you kidding me? Do you really want to do this whole living your life thing with the knowledge of my spirit and the gifts that are available through him while at the same time denying his power by posturing yourself to never be used in the gifts that he's given us? We kind of say that when we don't step into being used in those gifts. Again, those gifts are, you know, they're for really spiritual people and I'm not very spiritual and those gifts are only for rare moments that are of God's choosing. I'm a realist. Uh, I'm a humble believer who knows that I have a long way to go in my walk with Jesus. God will surely use somebody else because I, I'm not as spiritual as they are. And that's why I don't seek the gifts earnestly. That, that's why God will undoubtedly use someone else and not me. It's humility. That's the reason. I'm humble. You see how we justify things? And we don't say those things in our head. We don't go through that whole bit and say that but we think it really way deep down inside. It could be fear. It could be pride. It could be an unwillingness to give up the controls and to, to God and let him truly take over. And, and we all have that same problem. That's why we miss so many of our divine appointments in this life. Do you realize God has divine appointments for you all over the place? All the time? And I, I wonder if the judgment seat of Christ which will occur sometime during the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the time when believers in Christ who have been raptured up, those who have died in Christ before us, you know, we're all raptured up. First, first those who, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who are still living will, will meet the Lord, meet them and the Lord in the air. It's the rapture of the church. We read about it in Scripture. We talk about it all the time. But then when we're up there, while all hell is breaking loose down here, what do we have going on up there? The judgment seat of Christ. And I wonder if during that time, if it will involve looking at our lives and seeing how many divine appointments we missed and how many we kept. Because that, that judgment is going to be a real judgment on Christians for their works. God will judge their works and everything that was done in the human will burn up. It's wood, hay, and stubble. Everything that was done of the Spirit will last forever. I, I, I wonder if the judgment seat of Christ during that time, and it's a celebratory time, no doubt. It's, it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. But there's obviously a time when we're judged. Our works are judged. And will our meeting or, or making our divine appointments or missing them, will that be taken into account? I'm sure it will be. Let, let me make a statement, and in no way am I trying to underplay God's sovereignty in the use of pouring out these manifestation gifts of the Spirit that we've been talking about. Here, here, here's the statement. We have, we have full access to the Holy Spirit and His gifts. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have full access to the Spirit. We have full access to the Holy Spirit and his gifts whenever we need him. The Holy Spirit can still come up 
come upon or, or come over individuals like he did in the Old Testament. But in the church age, we have access. The church age is now, by the way. We have access to him whenever. There are no limits to his power. No limits on his gifts being poured out. You know, I think it's funny sometimes how we, we think about things. Like, you know, God, I'm not going to ask you for that because I'm sure there's someone who is in more, who's more in need than me. You think God can ever run out of his supply? He can never run out of power. He's all-powerful. He can't run out of knowledge. He's all-knowing. He can't run out of his love because he is love. He can't run out of healing or deliverance or any of those things. And, and sometimes we get goofy about stuff like that. We don't ask because, well, somebody else needs it more. Man, that, that's, that's just not good thinking. So with all that in mind, I haven't even gotten to the, the gifts yet of, of the power to know, but we're going to get into them right now. With all that in mind, I, I, I want us to read 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Read it last week, but we're going to pull three other gifts out this week. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God works who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So there's three gifts here that are listed out, word of wisdom, that are the power to know gifts, and we're going to go through them this morning, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the distinguishing of spirits. So I'm going to start with the word of knowledge. We're not doing it in order according to 1 Corinthians. We're kind of jumping around. But the word of knowledge, this gift enables the church, and this, uh, this includes the church as a whole, the local church, or, or you as an individual member of his church, it enables the church to receive spiritual information which is needed. It's the supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts within God's divine mind. So this, when we say the word of knowledge, we're not talking about knowledge that's acquired naturally speaking. We're talking about supernatural knowledge that's imparted into a person for a specific purpose. It's a gift so that you can carry out what God has called you to carry out. It's not simply acquired knowledge, again, through study or experience. It's supernaturally imparted by the Holy Spirit into a believer in the moment that it's needed. And a great scriptural example of this can be found in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. But there was a certain man named Ananias, who with his wife Sapphira sold some property, he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. Okay, that, that's a problem, right? That's not telling the truth. With his wife's consent, his wife knew he was doing this, and he kept the rest. Then verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, I mean, he's the one receiving this gift, and he's one of the apostles, and he says, 
Ananias, why, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Just boom, dead. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Bible goes on to say that three hours later his wife comes in and she says the same thing. She falls over dead and they carry her out. So it wasn't the issue that they didn't give it all, give, give all the, the money that they acquired through the, the sale of their property. The, the issue was that they lied about it. And the word of knowledge that came to Peter, supernatural knowledge, there was no way he could have known that. There's nothing in Scripture that says he, oh yeah, the, 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 the people they sold it to told him this amount, and then Peter figured it out, and he did the math, and he's like, oh yeah, that wasn't all of it. That didn't happen. He supernaturally received knowledge that brought about something that needed to take place in the church. Because if you read the story and you look on, what happened in the church? Great fear, fear of God, and awe came over all the believers. They all walked carefully after that. Can you imagine if that happened today? And that is still the church age. That's the church age then. We're in the church age now. Nothing's changed. There's no pivotal moments in between there. That was after the Holy Spirit fell, all that. We live in that same age, church. That could happen. What if someone came in to church, lied about something? and they fell over dead. Can you imagine what would go on? I mean, we probably have reporters all over the place, right? There would be lawsuits and autopsies and legal inquiries. and I can imagine the headlines, pastor kills couple for lying and tries to cover it up by blaming God. <laughs> you know? Lord, give us that kind of knowledge. In the church today, do you know what happens when people's mail is read? I'm, 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 that's a phrase. I'm not literally saying go to somebody's mailbox and read their mail. But when someone reads their mail, like you know exactly what's going on and there's no way you could know. You know what happens? They become fearfully or respectfully like, wow, your God is real. They may even go like this and kneel to your God. I mean, if you want to be effective, I'm not saying you'll be invited over to everybody's house if you're walking around with the word of knowledge because you know, nobody wants you to read their mail <laughs> like that. You may not be the most popular person, but you'll win people to Jesus wherever you go. You will walk in a room and there'll be a holy awe because of the Holy Spirit that falls over people. The church would walk carefully before they lie. You know, what's that? Somebody told me the other day, I think it was you or one of you, one of Jared or Devin said how many, the average number of times we lie in a day. Did you remember that? Does anybody know that? You know, most statistics are made up on the spot anyway, so just give me a number, <laughs> right? It's a lot. People lie all the time about dumb stuff they don't even need to lie about. Stuff that doesn't even matter. 
What if they fell over dead when they did it? Would that change behavior in the church? Well, it changed their behavior because they're dead. But it would change everybody's behavior, wouldn't it? It would pull people into holiness and walking carefully before their God, respectfully. You know, Jesus also was used in the gifts, in, the, in that gift, when he was uh, uh, talking to the, the woman at the well. And, and it's an interesting thing to say that Jesus was used in the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, the Spirit's God, Jesus is God. How does that even work? Well, remember what we said. When Jesus walked the face of the earth as a human, he was 100% man and he was 100% God, right? But he emptied himself of that or he chose not to engage in using his rights as God so that he could be our example. And so he was used in the gifts of the Spirit, no doubt. And he was used, and, and I, I love this scene in, in, the, in the, uh, the class that Brad's teaching, um, the chosen, the chosen. It, it, it's a wonderful, the one where it's about the woman at the well. Man, that's powerful. Gets me every time. But Jesus replied, it's in John 4, 13 through 18, anyone who drinks this water, he's talking to the woman at the well, will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And she says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water then I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here and get water anymore. He says, go and get your husband. While she was talking, I think he was getting a word of knowledge. He said, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he goes, yeah, I know. You don't have a husband. You're right. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. So you spoke the truth. And the woman's like, how do you know this? He supernaturally knew through the Holy Spirit. Well, he was Jesus. He was God. Understand something, church. That kind of gift is available to us. Not so that we can somehow make money off of it. Not so that we can look big, like biggie wows in the church or really spiritual. It's so that you can carry out what God has called you to do. I mean, how does that play out in the grocery store? How does that play out? You know, and I'll, I'll just say this. Let me put a plug in for Wednesday night prayer. If you're not coming to church on Wednesday night, you can always come here and there or whatever for, for prayer. Come every week for prayer. But we've been doing some, some amazing things. We've been kind of mirroring what, what's going, what I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit. The last two weeks have been phenomenal. We sat and just listened. I, I got I to share this. We, we, we just listened to God for a little bit after we prayed for a while. And, we, and, and the, the deal was, just listen to what he tells you, and then we're going to share it at the, right afterwards. And somebody's like, oh, I don't want to do that. You don't have to share, but if you want to, you can. And people start sharing. And it's things like, well, what God gave me was a lady named this, and what God gave me was this about a lady. And you start putting together, and it's like a puzzle. And those meetings have become kind of like intercessory. I, I, they've been amazing. It, it's it's is Miss Sandy here today? Sandy, Sandy, adopt. Here she comes. Sandy, adopt. What are you doing out there? You're hosting. I know. Tell us what's going on in prayer right now, Wednesday night. Just give a little word for it. You're not prepared to do this. Spirit is falling, and 
he is teaching us to pray and to intercede for people we don't even know. It's incredible. I mean, and the tears come. Do you, have you ever been to a prayer meeting where you just pull out all these cards? And, you, and we do that sometimes. We read all the cards and we just, we just pray over them. And it, or we get our lists out and we pray over all the lists. That, that's supplication prayer. It's needed. It's good. It's fine. I'm not dissing that in any way. But how many know that if you do that week after week after week after week, it gets a little boring? Prayer is not meant to be boring. God is leading us and guiding us. A couple weeks ago, we went to, we, we felt led, or I felt led to have our prayer meeting in the new clinic. The new clinic, by the way, is, is finished construction-wise. It's awesome. It's going to be opening up soon. I know we've been talking about that for quite some time. We had some hiccups with a couple of things, but it's done. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a free clinic here in the church. And I, I'm, I couldn't be more excited about all God's going to do for that. That's a Holy Spirit thing. We prayed for it. You know, we, we, I'm getting all over the place now, and I'm sorry. Can I just be all over the place today? I had way too much coffee. <laughs> way too much. I got up at 4 this morning, and I started drinking coffee, and I stopped about 8.30. So I'm just like, <laughs> just jazzed on coffee. <laughs> and Jesus. But we were... We, we know more than, than, than talked about the clinic and got it kind of going together. And we, we were approached by another group, uh, the Agape, I don't even know who they are, they're in Des Moines, Agape Group, Agape Clinic, whatever. And, and they inquired to us about, about possibly having a, a, a day where they could come into the clinic and use it for a crisis pregnancy kind of stuff where they would do free ultrasounds to women in Warren County who needed to see their babies so they maybe wouldn't get an abortion. I mean, this is awesome, guys. Free STD testing and, and those kinds of things, and not to mention the medical part that's going to be open, and there's other things coming together with that space. We, take, we, we have a building of, what, 52,000 square feet? We, we take 800, almost 900 square feet out of it, and we use it as a clinic and watch God just put it together. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. Those are things that... And I, I'm talking about the, the word of knowledge, but, but what if, what if through prayer that God begins to give you things, knowledge, give you things that you couldn't know? Do you know how much more exciting your Christianity is? I mean, you're not going to be going, woo. <laughs> it, it's going to be so much bigger than that. This stuff's available to you, this gift of word of knowledge. And we see it throughout Scripture. It should be happening a lot more today than it does. I'm going to go to the next gift. Knowledge is power, by the way. It's power. And uh, what a gift. What a gift. The word of wisdom. It's kind of the sister gift to the word of knowledge. Where knowledge will tell you that a skunk is a stinky animal that can spray a pungent-smelling liquid from its backside. Wisdom tells you to get out of there when you see one. Right? So the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, they're really are, are supernaturally, they're imparted and they are very closely related. And, it's, and sometimes it's hard to tell where one stops and one starts. I get that. And that's okay. This gift is imparted to give guidance in a time of need. It's, it's supernatural wisdom, not wisdom acquired from experience or from books. And like word of knowledge, it can't be learned, it can only be imparted. You can learn how to use it, you can learn how to tap into it, but you can't learn the wisdom that you get. That's imparted. 
The word of wisdom gives direction and guidance for life and for the decisions that you have to make in life. And just like word of knowledge is not just acquiring knowledge, word of, the word of wisdom is not just acquiring wisdom, okay? It's a gift that's imparted or given. It gives guidance in a, in a, in a real time of need. It's supernatural wisdom. Supernatural wisdom. Can anybody think of a time where you needed supernatural wisdom? And what to do and how to do it? Understand it's not fortune telling. It's the supernatural answer to the question, what should I do? Or could even be given in the form of supernatural information to push someone in the direction they should go on any particular thing as long as it's confirming in them. A great uh, scriptural example of this can be found, lots of them can be found all throughout scripture. Solomon, of course, and, and we know in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit came upon, and he, he does that still today sometimes, and that's wonderful, but that doesn't change the fact that we have access to this all the time. See, the Bible says call upon wisdom, and, and, and she'll be there for you. That's wisdom. But what if through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and the deposit of the Holy Spirit within us and, and even God coming on us that we have access to it whenever we need it. I think we do. That's why the Bible says be in a state of being filled all the time so you can have access to those things when you need them. Solomon was used in this, of course, when he made his famous judgments regarding social situations. I mean, you guys remember the story? The, the baby, who's, who's, mother, who, who's the mother of this baby? And he says, cut the baby in half and give half to each one. That's a great answer, isn't it? Because then the one who is really the mom said, don't do it, just give it to the other lady. And of course, we know that that's a great example. But I think he had a word of wisdom. More than just wisdom, he had a word of wisdom. Even. Moses was used in this as he received and wrote down the word of God that, he was, that was given him. James, in reference to the discussion between the early uh, leaders of the church that is known as the Jerusalem Council gave a word of wisdom. Stephen in the book of Acts, and I want to look at that one, Acts chapter 6, verse 8 through 10. It says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. This is very common, by the way, in the early church, and we're in the same age as they were then. They performed, there, there, was, there was an entourage of signs and wonders following those that believed. And this happened with Stephen. Great signs and wonders. Verse 9, but some men from what was called the synagogue of the free men, including both uh, Cyrenians and Alexandrians and some from uh, Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen, but they were unable to cope with his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. So even in a debate situation, word of wisdom was coming to him in a way through the power of the Holy Spirit that they couldn't even they couldn't even argue with him. What if you had the word of wisdom going forth at Thanksgiving this year when we can all be together with our families and those faith discussions start happening? How many know you could use some wisdom in those situations? I know I could. Again, this gift is to be sought after earnestly instead of trying to reason and strategize when it comes to building the kingdom of God, which that's okay to do as long as you're depending on the power of the Holy Spirit you know, we're going to save a lot more time and money if we just 
ask the Spirit of God, right? The word of wisdom when it comes forth. Yet, I think we leave it on the table constantly because we, we think we've got it figured out. We think we know best. Do you know, depending on the gifts of the Spirit, just like I said with speaking in tongues in your, in your prayer time, praying unto God in an unknown tongue is the ultimate act of humility in your prayers because it's saying, you know what, God, I don't know how to pray, so I'm going to use the power of your Holy Spirit to pray because you know how to pray. It's an act of humility. Depending on the gifts of the Spirit when it comes to knowledge and wisdom and, and, and how to know stuff, that's an act of humility as well. Third one, the discerning of spirits. It's important to realize that this gift that is given to the church for protection more than anything is not the gift of discernment. It's the gift of discerning of spirits or the distinguishing of spirits. And it's supernaturally given. And oh, that this gift would be displayed in these last days. I think this is one of the most important gifts that we're going to need in these last days. There are so many wolves in sheep's clothing, not just in the church, but in the political realm, within our own families even. Those who claim to be one thing and show themselves to be one thing, but underneath they're operating in manipulative ways that bring destruction. And some of those individuals may not even know that they're being used like this. Discerning of spirits calls it out for what it is. And this is the... Can I talk like a farm kid? This is the cut-through-the-crap gift. And it's tough, it's a tough gift to be used in because it involves judgment. Discerning is judging. Which, culturally speaking, nobody wants to really hear judging in this day and time, right? We don't want to be judged, and you shouldn't judge, and you can't judge, and how dare you judge me? It's interesting to me that in these last days, Jesus said there would be many false teachers that would come in his name, and they would do many wonderful things in his name, but to be beware of them... He said that we would know them by their fruit. That, that's a natural means by which we will be able to identify them. But the discerning of spirits, that gift, is the ability to see supernaturally what spirit is operating within an individual or a situation. It takes time for fruit to be produced and to examine it, right? You will know them, Jesus said, by their fruit. And it's a great litmus, litmus test for sure. But discerning of spirits doesn't require you to examine fruit in order to know. Through this gift, that knowledge is supernaturally imparted to you. And just as we have a need for this gift that judges, essentially, especially in these last days, the devil has created, and this, was, this is what I was saying was interesting, the devil has created this narrative within society and with even the church that all judgment is wrong and should only be left to God. I find that incredibly interesting because guess what, church? We need to judge all things. We need to know what's right and wrong. We need to discern what's true and what's false. And that all requires judging. I'm not talking about judging people's salvations. I'm just talking about judging situations. We need that. Oh, Pastor Barry, you can't judge. Well, then let's throw out the gift of discernment because it's a gift of judgment. What are you going to do with these scriptures? Oh, we just tucked those away. We don't like that one. I love that one. 
We need it. And it will save us a lot of heartache. When sound judgment is completely banned, lawlessness will prevail. Are you hearing me? When we discourage judgment of any kind, we embrace anarchy of all kinds. Our boys in blue have to make judgments sometimes too, just to throw something culturally relevant into the sermon. They have to make judgments. Well, how dare they make a judgment? They have to. That's their job. And it doesn't matter if you're, you're, you're speaking about the church or about society. Judgment has to happen. Not in the sense of being unfair or judgment motivated by bias. I'm not talking about that. But fair judgment must occur to keep our, ourselves from, from slipping down the slope that mankind slipped down once before. And, and when mankind got so bad and so uh, uh, sinful that they, just, that, that they were a stench before God, what happened? He destroyed them with a flood. You know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking how, uh, like a big slip and slide at the top of a really big hill, right? And have you ever seen anybody on ice or, or maybe on a slip and slide and they try to walk on it and they just fall on their rear end and they just hit hard and they slide all the way down? And then the people at the bottom, when they're trying to get up, you know, then these people from the top, they're coming down and they're wiping them out. Have you ever seen anything like that? It becomes this big mob of people falling all over themselves, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of what I'm talking about when you don't have judgment. Judgment in society, and even judgment as this gift, as a discerning of spirits, it holds back people from taking the plunge down the hill. It holds it back, saying, look, don't, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm like, quit judging me. And they push your arm out of the way, and they go, whoa, and they fly down the hill. And then the next one, don't do that, don't do that. There's something about judging in a good way, in a non-biased, good way. Are you with me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? That holds that back. But if we say, you can't judge, then we just put our arms down, and everybody just goes over the hill. And it's chaos. I think there was a, a, a video that was from Texas or something when they had all that ice going down the hill. I think I remember it this last winter and all these cars were coming up over the hill and they're going, and they're just slamming into all these other cars. It's kind of the same thing. No one's stopping it because that takes judgment and how dare we judge. It's important to note that this gift is different from the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, this discerning of spirits. It's different than those two gifts because those two gifts supernaturally give you revelation about natural things. The distinguish of Distinguishing of spirits gives you supernatural revelation about supernatural things. And a, a great example of this gift is in Scripture is found in Acts 16, 16 through 18. And it's, it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed with her. I am so happy that a guy like Paul got annoyed. How many have ever been there? 
And he turned and he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very moment. Now what happened is it landed Paul and Silas in jail when they did that, when Paul did that. It landed them in jail because this guy who owned the slave girl knew she was demon-possessed and she was giving fortune. She was telling people's futures. She was doing that and and he was getting paid for it. So when they cast the demon out of her and she couldn't do it anymore, all of a sudden he lost his paycheck and he whined about it and complained, hey, they just took away my profitability off this slave. So they threw them in jail. Now it's interesting to me that that the young girl even though she was demon-possessed, the demon was actually telling the truth, wasn't he? These men are bondservants of the Most High God, and they're proclaiming to you the way of salvation. That doesn't sound like a bad thing, except Paul was trying to do things in the right way at the right time and in the Spirit. And when you have this little girl following you around, blowing your cover all the time, it gets annoying. So he turns and he casts that thing out of her so that it, it wouldn't do it anymore. Paul knew even though the demon was telling the truth through the slave girl, he discerned that it was not the Holy Spirit doing that in her. He discerned that it was a spirit of divination or a fortune-telling spirit. I remember when I was a a teenager and I was in church and I would hear stuff like this, I was like, fortune-telling? I mean, nobody believes that stuff, right? When I was a kid, I mean... You could dial Miss Cleo for your free reading, and it was a joke, you know, and everybody thought that was a joke. There are whole networks now dedicated to it, making billions of dollars on just reading people's futures. And it's a spirit of divination, and it's wrong, and it's sin, and the Bible warns against it. It's interesting how it became a joke, and then as we get closer to the end times, it becomes more real. Like, that's happening. There's people that instead of going to church, they're dialing whoever. Who is it now? California psychics or something? Scary stuff. But we ought to be able to operate, and we can operate if we so desire, because that power is available to us in the discerning of spirits. Now, with all manifestation gifts, the power to know gift, the power to know gifts, all these gifts that I talked about, the power to know. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. There's supernatural gifts for the church to use to execute God's agenda in building his kingdom. They overlap. And again, it may be hard to tell where one ends and the other begins, but let's not overanalyze these gifts, right? No reason to. They're not meant to be necessarily categorized and defined in a way that we get caught up in which gift is being displayed at what time for what possible reason. I mean, let's take out our notebooks and was that the gift of the spirit was, was that the gift of discerning of spirits or was that a gift of word of knowledge or was that a gift of word of wisdom hmm let's get that let's get that figured out why do you need to figure it out let's just flow in the gifts let's just flow in the gifts it's, un, it's important to know what they are but they do overlap and there's a flow to these gifts and we should be intentional in their use without being so analytical that it actually stops the flow and why does it matter what particular gift is being displayed at what particular time? Why not just flow in them, like I said? And then if they produce supernatural results, we can trust that they are supernaturally, they've been supernaturally imparted in those moments. So, how many of you have got electrical 
wired into your house. How many missed it last night for a little while when the power went out in Indianola, part of Indianola, okay? So a lot of us, probably all of us, have electrical power wired into our homes. Not earnestly seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit is like having electrical power wired to your homes but never plugging anything in. I mean anything. Not using a refrigerator or an air conditioner or lights or vacuum cleaners or an oven or a microwave or a toaster or a stereo or TV or any of those things. Computer, cell phone, chargers. Not plugging anything in. What's the point of having electrical to your house, wired into your house, if you never plug anything in? And that's what I'm saying. We are wired up and power is absolutely available. There are no limits to how much we can use because it never runs out and it's free. Free, 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 right? <laughs> Let's use it. Why not? Let's use it. Let's earnestly desire those gifts. Not just the power to speak, but the power to know. And next week, we're going to talk about the power to do. Power to speak, power to know, and power to do. God's given us all these gifts of power, and what do we do? Well, that's for somebody more spiritual than me. I'm pretty satisfied with the way I am. That's the, I'm a mediocre guy, and I don't care. The don't don't dear. The ding, 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 ding. Another 10 years goes by. Da -dun -dun -dun. I wonder if I'll ever do anything for Jesus. I'm not as spiritual as that guy. Why do I talk in a southern accent when I do that? I apologize to everybody who talks in a southern accent. Sorry. The ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Don't know why. We gotta use what God's given us, right? Or what's the point? It's wasted on a church that he loves and wants to use in his power. How does that play out? I'm just gonna say this real quick. Again, being in a constant state of being filled. God, give me wisdom for this. Give me wisdom for this. Next time you're doing your finances, you sit down with your wife. How many know doing finances sometimes can cause problems in the house? 98% of all divorces are probably rooted in finances. Okay, 90%. 95, I mean, you make them up, right? It's just, that's <laughs> what it is. A lot of divorces are because of finances. That's the truth. That is the truth. So you're sitting down with your wife doing your finances and you're realizing, man, this is hard. There's not much money. Maybe grab her hands and say, God, give us supernatural wisdom. Give us a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge where we are messing up and we can't see it. Or give us a word of wisdom on where we should invest or what we should buy or what we should... That's how it plays out. What about in the church? God, give us words of wisdom. When's the last time you asked for God to give you a word of wisdom regarding anything? No, we whine and we complain and we talk to all of our friends until we find somebody who tells us what we want to hear and then that's our word of wisdom. What if we sought and earnestly sought those gifts? 
He's just waiting to, hey, here's some wisdom. Boom. Just drop some wisdom on you. Drop some knowledge on you. Not just knowledge, but a word of knowledge. Supernaturally. It changes everything in your life. You ever wonder why some people, no matter what they do, it just seems to work? And others, no matter what they do, it just seems to fail? Ding, 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 ding. Let's pray. Let's ask God to pour out his gifts and, and that we would change our hearts and be willing to be used in them. Yes, for the building of his kingdom, but yes, for our own personal success. I mean, why not? God can do great things in his kingdom with a bunch of successful people, right? I'm not talking about getting rich off words of wisdom. I'm talking about being able to give like never before. Big difference. And I'm going to have uh, Brad Money come up, if you would. And would you just pray this morning for that very thing, that we would be open, seeking earnestly those gifts, that we would look for opportunities for those gifts to be displayed through, in and through our lives. Thank you. And God bless you, and I love you, and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Pastor. Heavenly Father, we pray, and we just ask you, Lord, for your, your guidance and just lifting us up, filling us with your spirit as we continue to learn and understand, Lord, that you would give us strength and that you would give us patience to trust in your time and that you would give us the confidence to know that you created us for a purpose, you created us for a, a reason, and that we are worthy, Lord, no matter of our past, you have a future for us, and that we would desire and have ambition for that future to be successful, and that we would give that future to you in faith and know that your plans are better than ours, Lord. We love you, and in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.